Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh no! We suck again! Morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. Great to see you all. What? What? Oh, come on. Come on, guys. Don't, don't, don't be so down. I, I I know, the streak's over, we lost, and then we lost again, but look, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Yeah, Royals are no longer the hottest team in baseball, but they did extend their winning streak at the very least to seven because they won the first game against the Phillies. Over the past weekend. And then they lost the next two. So, I don't know. Back to where we started. But I actually do really want to talk about this Phillies series just in general. And there's um something else I want to rant about a little bit. I guess I'll get into that, like, right now because it's a roster move. But first of all, I'm Lux, by the way. Uh, good to see you all once again. At the MFNKC. That's my own Twitter account. And if you don't care about that, at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's the podcast Twitter account. Uh, what's the thing I got to talk about first? Okay, so I have literally nothing prepared because I had like this totally sleepless binge over the weekend and I'm just now catching up to everything. So it's a 6 a.m. Sunday, which is or rather Monday, which is when I should be uploading this. I need to get back into uploading things on time. That was fun. Anyway, uh, roster moves. That's the thing we got to talk about. So there, there was one interesting move. It was Taylor Clark being placed on the uh, 15-day injured list for right elbow inflammation. Tell me if you've heard this before. A pitcher who is suspiciously terrible on this staff getting placed on the IL for right elbow inflammation. I, oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. Usually it was shoulder inflammation. So maybe Taylor Clark has something different. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to switch it up to throw us for a loop. Um, I don't know. Whatever the case is, Taylor Clark has just been awful for the last month or two, even though he started off the season fantastic. He had some really great stretches last season. I do still hope he can get it together. But at this point, I mean... I think that the, the, I think that the bullpen should be developing rather quickly and we should be quick to move on from guys. And I'm going to explain that in a minute, um, or explain what I mean in a minute. And in exchange for him going on the IL, James MacArthur was recalled from AAA Omaha. I guess he's going to be the, uh, you know, the, the I 29 regular on this season right, right now. We always have to have some guy who's constantly moving up and down. The major league and minor league level. Hey, by the way, has anyone seen Nate Eaton in in a while? It's been it's been a while since we've seen Nate Eaton get optioned. 
I just thought that was interesting. It's like they realized all of a sudden, oh, yeah, uh, you can only option a player five times in a season, and they've already done that four times for Nate Eaton. I wonder where James MacArthur is at. He's got to be at – this is at least number three. It doesn't matter too much anyway because, like I said, we should move on from relievers pretty quickly if they're not good. And it's already August 7th, so. Um, so the other thing that the Royals did is the Royals acquired a pitcher by the name of Joe Barlow. I am not making this up. The Royals got another pitcher named Barlow off of waivers. They simply made a waiver claim, so he is just now in the in the Royals organization. Joe Barlow is a relief pitcher, a righty from the Texas Rangers organization who came up in 2021, pitched 29 innings to a 1.55 ERA. He was pretty much immediately inserted into their I don't know, closer committee. I don't think they had a true closer. Same in 2022. Um, in both of these years, he accumulated 24 saves. Actually, Baseball Reference does have him as the closer for 2022. He had the most in that season, but there were there were lots of other guys with saves. Anyway, so yeah, he was a true late-inning guy for, for Texas. Again, 1.55 ERA in his first season. Second season, 2022, 3.86 ERA in 35 innings, so not quite as good in a 4.83 FIP. So that's not a, a great sign either. And then this season, yeah, it, it's gotten worse. 4.66 ERA in only 9.2 innings, 13 appearances. And once again, FIP way up, 5.33. Um, despite having a significant drop in walks, his walk per nine rate is below two, but his strikeouts per nine is less than six. And he's also see- seemingly giving up quite a few home runs, although, again, somewhat... Um, small sample size but it doesn't look like his triple a numbers his minor league numbers are all that exciting either still walking a lot of guys and giving up like a couple of long balls in triple a as a matter of fact he pitched a day or two ago or i don't know at some point uh yeah he pitched on he pitched yesterday for omaha and he pitched two innings gave up two runs on a home run so that's un- unfortunate. He gave up a he, he didn't give up any walks. He didn't walk anybody, but he, and he got a couple of strikeouts. So that's fine. But the thing is, this is less about the numbers and more about the process that I really like. I I'm actually like really excited about this Joe Barlow pickup because this is what I want the Royals to be doing a lot more of as we go on with this season. They need to be watching the waiver wire like a hawk and picking up any pitcher that falls to it like i'm serious any pitcher that falls to the waiver wire maybe with some exceptions of like veteran guys because the waiver wire is a one-sided transaction if you claim a player on the waiver wire he just plays for your organization now he's off the books for that other organization so this guy's not getting paid by the texas rangers anymore he's getting paid by the kansas city royals so that would mean if there was an arbitration player who had a salary of like, I don't know, one and a half million dollars. That means the Royals are on the hook completely for the entire rest of the thing. And, you know, maybe that's a little more of a waste of money. But a lot of the guys that follow the waiver wire are still pre-arbitration guys. So they're still making six figures. It's quite literally free real estate. Now, evidently, there is another drawback to the waiver wire. And it's that um, you don't go to the waiver wire if you're a good player. But still, Royals should be taking their chances with anybody that they can get because relievers. This is this is what happens with relievers a lot a lot of the time. They they always do something different. There's always something different that has to be done with them. 
um, so, something has has to be figured out with them. They they change so much year to year, organization to organization, because they only throw like fifty innings a season. So that's why you don't get a whole lot of good ter- good relievers long term, and why also you'll find some guys leave one organization and then become a star in other organizations. Something that happens to the Royals pretty often, I, I think. But I mean, the Royals have also had some success just. Getting guys out of nowhere, finding relievers out of literally thin air and turning them into something good. So with everything put together, Royals might as well just play the odds. Just spam the rele- the, the waiver wire because they're – I think the waiver wire works where um, any, any player that falls to it, any team can claim. But it's the team with um, the lower record from the previous season. That's who gets it. And so overall, I think the Royals are like fourth. In priority when it comes to this. Oh, sorry, fifth. The only teams that would be able to beat them would be the A's, the Nationals, the Reds, and the Pirates. Those were the teams that had a worse record than the Royals last season. Assuming that's how it works. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's how it works. I mean, it's not like it's not like good teams should have access to this um, so frequently. So Royals should really take advantage of the position they're in where they can get early claims on these waiver wire guys. And they should just... They, they should just... It, it should be... Open season, open tryouts for anyone in this bullpen, because the only player that we actually have in this bullpen is Carlos Hernandez. That is the one and only name that you can actually say sticks in this bullpen. The solution is not Jonathan Heasley. It's not Taylor Clark. It's not Dylan Coleman. I mean, we can hope that some of these guys will, you know, put it together. But right now, they're definitely not. Nick Whitgren is terrible. Who else is even freaking pitching? Everyone, everybody's moving around so frequently. Um, I don't know, but point is, James MacArthur isn't the answer, probably. Tucker Davidson isn't the answer, probably. We just quite literally do not have a bullpen right now. So go and get arms and just see if something can be figured out. See if something can happen with this. Uh, with, see if this coaching staff can figure something out. Because if this ha- if this works, like let's say if Joe Barlow can put something back together in Kansas City, he's under team control for four more seasons, if not five even. And if it doesn't work out, and again, let's let let's, let's be clear, the odds of this not working out are pretty high. Again, you don't go to the waiver wire if you're a good player. But if it doesn't work out, there's nothing lost. Royals didn't give up anything for acquiring this guy. They're not spending any extreme amount of money or anything. It, like I said, literally, it's quite literally free. It's a one-sided exchange, comes at basically no cost to us. Uh, so just just try it. Just do it. That's that's what I really uh, wanted to talk about for this. I like that they made this waiver wire pickup. And I, and I like that Joe Barlow has very recent major league success. That's another thing. It's not like they got a total, complete... You know, 33-year-old journeyman with a 0.1 career war on baseball reference. This was someone who was a good reliever two years ago and a pretty decent one just last season and, you know, has just been on the downturn. I'm not saying that the Rangers are, you know, ridiculous for, um, you know, letting this guy go. I'm sure they actually probably really wanted to keep him, which is why you put a player on waivers because – then at least if he clears waivers, if no team clear, if no team claims someone on waivers, then they can just be 
optioned back into uh, the their minor league system. But evidently, this guy is out of options. Uh, although I think it works differently if a team actually claims him because he's in, <laughs> he's in the minor league system with the Royals. Um, at least I don't. Maybe, maybe he's not out of options. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but yeah. Oh, actually, he was designated for assignment. Whoops, my bad. Because uh, they got a couple of uh, the Rangers got a couple of actual pitchers, which, which you know that makes sense. They're you know a division winner right now. They're deep into contention, so they're they're trying to optimize things. And you know when you're in that position, you have less room for what ifs and oh maybe this guy will work out. It's like nah, things need, things need to work. <laughs> but it's good for us because you know one team's trash could be another team's treasure. I think. So, potentially banger pickup by the Royals, potentially nothing, but no big deal if it's not. Um, and, you know, the other thing that, the, the, the other reason why I really want them to be doing this more often is because this is simply the only way you can really acquire players right now. The trade deadline's over, you're not signing any free agents or anything, so you just kind of have to, like, 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 this is what the Royals are right now. Everybody who's here, this is who they are. There's no one really coming up in the farm system. You know, maybe we can get some late season call-ups. But with the farm system, we have doubtful that they'll make any kind of impact. Um, and I don't know. I think maybe players can still trade for, like, cash. Maybe, maybe make some really small, minor trades. But aside from that, this is pretty much the only way the Royals can stumble upon more talent as the season comes to a close just scrummaging through the waiver wire but they should be doing that anyway anyway they should be dumpster diving throughout all of baseball going through every organization thinking hey you're not using this guy can we have him and then giving him a tryout and i'm already mad about some other guys that, that have fallen to the waiver wire that weren't picked up by the royals like the white Sox got brett honeywell from the waiver wire he was a former top prospect in baseball like one of the most I think I think this is the guy that threw the screwball and he was yeah he was a really really interesting pitching prospect unfortunately had his hand go through a tape shredder or something because he's had like 50 surgeries and injuries and all that he's already 28 um, posted a 4.05 ERA for the Padres but a 5.24 FIP um, almost four walks per nine and only around eight walks per strikeouts per nine so nothing like exciting but still that's a that's a really really interesting arm talent that i would if the royals picked this guy up i'd be like jumping up and down like wow we this guy fell into our laps but no instead he went to the white Sox. but there's no way the white Sox had a higher priority than the royals so it's it's that's a miss for us and i'm disappointed i'm a little bit salty like it could, could be nothing it really could be nothing but the royals should be considering and trying every opportunity because we do not have like the guys we have we know are not going to work in fact i'm already like mentally writing a list of dfa candidates for this offseason because there are lots of guys that we've certainly hoped would work out but it, clearly it's just not coming together in any way, shape, or form. So, like, I mean, some and some guys that we picked up over the season, you know, they can go as well. Nick Whitgren, gotta go. Like, maybe he can close the season now with this team, but I, I mean, we, we had a little bit of hope that he'd be good because he pitched well in AAA, but no, clearly not working out. So, he's gotta go. Um, MacArthur, Davidson, I mean, they've only pitched a couple of innings, so who knows? Maybe there is something there, but at least for right now, not really looking good. 
Dylan Coleman and Taylor Clark, I say that we we should keep, at least for now, because we've, we've seen them when they're good, but I am extremely concerned about them moving forward. Um, they'll probably be like DFA candidates in the middle of next season if things don't improve. But two other guys that I kind of want to shout out as being like, kind of like, all right, it's over. Uh, Jonathan Heasley and Jackson Kowar. Those are two that it's it's not working. Jackson Kowar, look, he's had a much better season than normal because he's ha- he has a six point one seven ERA this season. That's a lot better than like the the fifteen he's had in the past couple of years. But clearly, it's not getting much better with it. It's not getting meaningfully better with him. Although he does have a four point zero four FIP. That's actually kind of interesting. Wait, maybe we shouldn't give up on Jackson Kowar. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. It's just hard to really see the the positives, though. Um, and Jonathan Heasley, you know, he 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 came up last year, and he uh, he also came up in twenty twenty one. I forgot about that. But last year he had some he had like some stretches where he was looking pretty good, but clearly just no. He has like a, he has a career FIP of five point seven six, including this season, um, six point four three ERA this season. It's only gone up year by year. Isn't pitching well in the minors. Um, so I think it's just kind of over for this guy, but you know, again, disappointing because we've seen these guys come up. We've, you know, it's like, it's like, it's always cool whenever you see someone move through the system and then reach the major leagues and that's all fun and exciting. But after a couple of years of not being very good, you just gotta, you just gotta cut your losses and say, okay, uh, best of luck somewhere else. Maybe it'll work for you elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it is what it is, I guess. All right, so that was a lot of time talking about a waiver wire pickup that probably won't amount to anything. But again, it was like it was a, it was a point that I really wanted to make. So the Royals they played a three game series against the Philadelphia Phillies over this past weekend, and they won the first game, so they extended their win streak to seven in a row. They at least matched the Oakland Athletics for. Um, their win streak, the, the the Athletics, the the worst team in baseball, maybe the worst team of all time. Well, they've only got to win twelve games to avoid that. That that's pretty doable. They've won two in a row, so good 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 for them. Good job, Athletics. It seems anytime the A's have some kind of, whenever the A's home crowd picks like picks a game to just swarm to and protest, the A's play really really well because I think they had something like that over the weekend and that got them a. That got him a pretty good win, and that also happened when they won seven games in a row. They went into that. They went into the the big reverse boycott game, having won six games in a row, and were suddenly like looking really good. And then they won that game as well. So shout out to them. But at least the Royals, you know, we've been tr- we've been competing with the A's to see how bad a team can really be, and they uh, at least showed that it was possible to string together some wins in a row while the Royals couldn't even win three in a row, but they finally have a seven game winning streak to, uh, I don't know, make things a little bit better for themselves. In fact, it's actually a lot. It's a, it's a better streak than some other teams. Some other teams haven't won more than like four games in a row this season. So good job Royals. (laughs) Good for you. I'm so, I'm so proud of them. I'm so happy for them. Um, but yeah, then they lost the next two games, but I'm not, I'm not letting these two losses like get me down. I'm actually like, I know I said we suck again as a joke. It was a joke. In the very beginning, I said that in jest. They weren't bad losses. That's that's the really important thing. They weren't embarrassing losses. They went up against a good team. All right, a team that is likely going to make the playoffs. This team won the National League pennant. 
last season. And it's not so. Yeah, this is a good team right here, and they didn't get embarrassed. They didn't lose like ten to four or like I don't know eight to nothing in any of these games. They lost on Saturday nine to six, and then they lost on Sunday eight to four. So I I really do not want it to um I do not want it to I do I do not want to take for granted that this team put up seventeen runs against a, a a pretty solid pitching staff on the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, we went up against, uh, who was that guy? Christopher Sanchez, who had a two-point-something ERA, and he got knocked around. He got he got his ass beat. Royals put up six runs over five innings. That was, a, that was the Saturday game that we only lost by a couple. But, I mean, that was, like, the worst start of his career. You know, it's like the fact that the Royals can go up to to guys and be like, "All right, we're 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 actually going to be a threat to your existence today." That's actually really cool. So, yeah, the pitching stank. The pitching was really bad over this series, but also the the worst guys, like the biggest contributors to uh, you know, the bad pitching were um it was Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles, basically. Those are non-factors for whatever we're trying to build. They're just kind of here for right now. I wouldn't worry too much whenever they have a bad game. The the one thing I would kind of worry about is Alec Marsh. Uh, he pitched on Saturday four innings, three earned runs, um, one big home run he that he gave up in the first. Um, home runs were a big issue just all around, which it's, it's funny. I was When I previewed the Phillies, I said, you know, they, they're they known to, to be a slugging team, but actually this season they're not slugging a whole lot. And then they hit, uh, how many home runs did they hit this series? They hit, I think, seven. So, <laughs> whatever. My bad for reading stats a few days ago. Um, but yeah, Alec Marsh, you know, he... He's really got to figure it out. That that's the thing. Like I, I'm immediately starting to think this guy might not be a starter. He he does have some really good stuff. Like I don't want to count him out as a pitcher just in general, but every inning it seems like it's a it's it's really a struggle for him. It always looks like he's just throwing and not knowing where the ball is going to go. He's often missing by either throwing five meters away from the plate, away from the strike zone, or leaving too much over the plate it's always it's always just location it's just it's just kind of like the process of how he's throwing it's not really working out right now so something something's got to be figured out with him i don't entirely know what the issue is really because you know location is like oh yeah the guy doesn't locate wow <laughs> okay so how does that get fixed though what is the cause of that i don't entirely know just the point is he hasn't really had any promising starts or outings this season, and um, I was really hoping that the one inning of relief he had, uh, like a couple days before this start, would help him. But maybe, nah, it doesn't really uh, look like that would be the case. Uh, and the one thing I, the other thing I am disappointed by was within the same game, Angel Zerpa pitched, and uh, he made his uh, not his season debut, but still, this is someone that we're thinking could be a a rotation piece, if not, then at least a bullpen piece. And he went three innings, gave up four earned runs, um, especially if with a from a, off of a big home run. It was a big home run to Trey Turner of all of all players um, that flipped the game in the opposite direction. Royals were winning at the point, but that uh that put us into the ground. And then and then Trey Turner had an RBI double later on. And again, that, that, that's one of those things that's disappointing, but you also can't be too mad about it because he was having an absolutely abhorrent 
season going into this series. And I mentioned this in the preview. I'm like, oh yeah, Trey Turner, he's the worst hitter in the in this lineup. And apparently th- there was some big rallying cry from fans at, at the same time where they like gave him a standing ovation to, you know, support him, say like, hey, we're not going to, you know, be mad. We're not mad at you for struggling a little bit. You know, we got your back here. Um, they, they had like a donation drive to his charity or a charity that he supports. It was like a really big outpouring of support for Trey Turner this series. So the fact that he ended up turning it on on Saturday, it was like some some real like anime protagonist kind of stuff right there. So honestly, can't even be too mad about it. But still, we 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 just we need better from on Zerpa. I, I I at least like that he went three innings. And it's funny that after he gave up that home run, and it's actually kind of happened with Marsh as well. He gives up the home run, and then he settles in, and then he starts pitching decently, and hitters aren't really doing anything to him. And it's like, okay, why didn't you just pitch that way from the beginning? <laughs> I don't know if it, there was like something different that he did. Or I don't know. Maybe it's a change of mentality. Maybe the maybe the hitters aren't trying as hard because they've already got what they wanted. I don't entirely know. It was just kind of funny. So those those are the only things I would be like disappointed with. Oh, I guess I'd be disappointed with Zach Granke as well. Road Zach Granke showed up again. Four innings, five earned runs. It really is um just looking like the end for Zach Granke. I I I think he should finish the season. Just let him keep pitching. Let him keep making starts. But just um. Brace yourself for when he does, because unless maybe it's in Kauffman Stadium, probably not going to be very pretty. So, um, and another disappointing thing is that a hilarious coincidence happened on Sunday where Salvi was catching, Freddie Fermin was the DH, they had Bobby Wood Jr. sitting out this game, which I'm fine with for the record. Saw some people complaining about this because it's like, well, Bobby Wood Jr. is the best player on the team. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? He's only had a couple of days off in the entire season. And I know he's had you know the team had a day off on Monday last week, but that's not 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 entirely enough. Rest your players every now and then. You'll, they'll thank you for it later. So Salvi catched and <laughs> catched and Fermin was a DH. And pretty much immediately, Salvi got hit on the hand by a pitch. And he had to be taken out of the game, which means Freddie Fermin had to be the catcher. You're not allowed to substitute your designated hitter. If you do that, you just lose your designated hitter. So that means the pitcher has to hit. And Zach Greinke was the pitcher. So that means Zach Greinke had to pick up a baseball bat. And unfortunately, he did not get to hit, and it was extremely disappointing. He was literally on deck, and then uh, the inning ended. And although he pitched again that inning, it was the fourth inning, and Q just decided that eh, we're just gonna we're gonna play the game normally and uh, put in a better hitter. So they put in Edward Olivares, who uh, did nothing. Thank you, Ollie. Thanks a whole lot. Although I'm not gonna lie, like I'm kind of of like two minds with it, where I think that if you can try winning a game, you should try winning the game. At this point, it was five to four Phillies, so we're behind a little bit, but this is a very winnable game right here, and vibes are good all around. You know, we we lost the seven game streak, but we still, you know, we're coming into this with a with seven out of eight. Things are just looking good with the team right now, so. 
I guess I can't blame Q for going for the win, trying to do the the right thing as the manager. But still, it's disappointing that we haven't had any opportunity to see Zach Granke hit this season or last season. These two seasons, you know, I love I love, I love Zach Granke, and it's not his fault these two seasons have been really, really bad. But it would have at least been a funny story if he had an at-bat, you know, for all old time's sake. Let Granke hit just just one time, please. I at least hope, you know, if he, again, I think he should pitch the rest of the season and then they should make a big deal of the last game of the season. Just like, just have Zach Granke pitch his last start of his career and also hit at the same time. I think it'll just be great. Or, you know what? Let him play shortstop for a day. (laughs) 39-year-old Zach Granke playing shortstop. What could possibly go wrong with that? So those things aside, I, 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 again, I do not want to take it for granted that the Royals actually scored really, really well over uh, over the weekend they put up 17 runs and again against against three really good pitchers Aaron Nola on Friday who's having a, an odd season I guess a down season but yeah, his line is terrible 5.1 innings pitched five earned runs eight strikeouts though so that's kind of funny but no the, the Royals kind of beat him around and that was great and then Christopher Sanchez who had a had, had an ERA beginning with two going into that game instead got tagged for six runs over five innings, and then Taiwan Walker, who is another really good pitcher on this staff, he went seven innings and gave up four earned runs, um, and all of those came in the first two innings. Royals had like a, a huge first inning. They made a huge first impression. Then the Phillies came back with a three-run inning of their own, and then the Royals took one more in the top of the second, but then that was it. That was all they were scoring for the day. So the guy ended up getting settled in later, but it's still not a, a terrible, you know, it's, not, it's still not a terrible day for the hitting. Overall, they at least had a nice start. Uh, they just kind of couldn't keep up the momentum, unfortunately. Bobby Wood Jr. homered on Friday, so he became the first player in Major League history to hit 20 home runs and steal 30 bases in both of his first two seasons. We love to see it. That's just awesome. And Michael Massey homered as well. And I think it's funny that Michael Massey has nine home runs. It's not, that's not amazing or anything. But if you think of a second baseman who's hitting like 210 over the entire season, you probably wouldn't think that guy has 10 home runs, or almost 10 home runs, but Michael Massey does. He has nine, so that's pretty good. And and funny enough, at the end of the weekend, Michael Massey has the same amount of, has the same number of home runs as MJ Melendez, which is, uh, (laughs) it, it looks good for Michael Massey, and it looks terrible for MJ Melendez, but at least MJ had his ninth on Sunday, so good for him. And Freddie Fermin, was just balling. Freddie Fermin almost joined the nine home run club. He had two on Saturday, his seventh and his eighth. Yeah, Freddie Fermin just absolutely balled in this series. I mean, he's been balling the entire season. Freddie Fermin is a baller. Nothing more I can really say about that. But aside from just crushing the ball, there was some small ball at play. Blanco was laying down bunts that actually got him on base and scored runs. <laughs> like like dude's just so fast um he he can just do that stuff and ended up scoring on a on a contact play just having a really great he, like Bobby Wood Jr. grounded out to the shortstop but Bar- Blanco was basically already at home so there wasn't a, a chance of getting him at home so it just ended up being a regular uh regular out in the infield but it scored some runs um there was at least one throwing error that Michael Garcia kind of forced on them just it was just like solid baseball all around from this lineup over this three game series so 
yeah, it sucks that the Royals lost two. It sucks that they lost their streak. But this was not bad baseball from a team that is 36 and 77. Like, I am including this over the last, you, you know, in this in this stretch of the season where, you know, they won, they won seven in a row. And then they've got this. Even the, even the two losses that they've had were solid. They were acceptable losses. They lost to a really good team. They made it interesting. They made it close. They did some good things. And generally, the worst parts of the team, the worst parts of the game, are guys that are not going to be around much longer. So, wouldn't worry about it too much. Instead, be proud of how well this lineup has been hitting. I mean, this is what we've expected this season. This was what we thought the team was going to be going into the season. Like, okay, um, the pitching is probably going to be a nightmare to watch. But the hitting's going to be really fun. That's what we got this weekend. Really bad pitching, really good hitting. So at least one side of the ball is getting things done. At least that's a sign that something can be worked with moving forward. So I'm going to talk briefly about this upcoming four-game series against the Boston Red Sox. But before we do that, there's something that I've got to add to the show. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So the Royals are going to have a four-game series in Fenway for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox are another solid team. They are 57-54, and 54, fifth place in the American League East. Um, although funny enough, it's not better than the Twins. That was a that was a common uh, that was like a recurring storyline over the season where the Twins would be a worse team. They would have a worse record than the fifth placed uh, National League or American League East team, but not right now. Twins would actually be winning the division if the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees played in this division. Um, but still, yeah, Red Sox solid team. They're contending even though they're in fifth, uh, but they've also lost seven of their last eight. So they are kind of on a skid right now. Maybe we can hopefully catch them while we're down. That would be kind of cool. As a team, they're hitting the ball pretty decently. They're 11th in weighted runs created plus with 104. So they're a little bit above average. And then as a team, their ERA isn't looking good, 4.38. But their rotation, their rotation is actually interesting. They've got three guys. They've got three starters on the injured list right now. But the three that are healthy are pretty good. Brian Bello, Cutter Crawford, James Paxton, they're all they've all got ERAs under four. Um, I don't know who else they have starting though. And as a matter of fact, that's kind of what we're gonna see this series. Um Monday we're gonna see Brian Bello, who has a three point seven nine ERA. He's actually leading the team in war, according to baseball reference. Uh, one hundred two innings pitch. This is a very young starter that they have. Twenty four years old, right handed pitcher. Although I wonder how long that's all going to last because he has a FIP of 4.4. His Savant page is not very uh, threatening. It's looking kind of blue. He doesn't walk guys, which is the one good thing he's really got going for him. But he is getting hit kind of hard. Um, opponents have an expected batting average of 273 on his sinker, which is, I think, supposed to be his best pitch. Well, that's actually probably not true. But still, it's a pitch that he throws a lot. So there, there's something pretty interesting right there. Fenway Park, plus guys who are getting hit hard, shouldn't really match. So this could be an interesting little uh, guy to face for the Royals in this red-hot lineup. Meanwhile, the Royals are going to send out Cole Reagans, who has just been a, a fantastic 
little surprise this season. He's only thrown two starts for the Royals so far, 11 innings pitched, but a 0.82 ERA in that time. He just seems like a, a, maybe not a significantly different pitcher than when he was with Texas, but definitely a much improved pitcher with the new slider, with some kind of newfound velocity that the Royals are getting out of him. It's looking like a really, really good trade pickup that we've gotten over this season. So I'm I'm actually really excited to see Cole Reagan's pitch. He's pitched so well so far for us. He's been so promising that uh yeah, I think that he's I think that he can be right up there with Brady Singer as a guy that we can count on moving forward in this rotation. And speaking of Brady Singer, he's actually going to pitch on Tuesday. 5.1 ERA, 22 starts, 121 innings pitch, but his last start was 8 scoreless. So, it was against the Mets. And it was in Kaufman, so this is going to be a much different scenario. He's actually going to be facing a pretty good lineup in a very hitter-friendly park, but sometimes you just got to do that. Sometimes you just got to take that risk. You got to take that challenge. Red, Red Sox are going to send out Cutter Crawford, who's a three-point-three. He has a three-point-six-two ERA in thirteen starts with twenty-one appearances overall. So he seems like he was a reliever and then got converted into a starter. Yeah, he's actually been around for a couple of years and hasn't done anything all that interesting. But this season, things are uh, clicking for him, it seems. And this is a guy with a much better savant page uh, than uh, than Brian Bello because his expected ERA is actually good. It's actually lower than his regular ERA, so this guy's underperforming somehow. He's not getting hit very hard on really anything, not getting hit very often on anything, except his curveball, which he only throws 11% of the time. Um, opponents are hitting that a lot. It should be noted that he absolutely does throw a cutter, by the way. I, 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 hope, I hope everybody knows that Cutter Crawford does, in fact, throw a cutter. It's a decent pitch. Opponents have an aver- Opponents are hitting 286 against it, but an expected average of 240. So, once again, this guy seems to be underperforming just a little bit. He throws that pretty often, as well as a forcing fastball, which averages 94. And opponents are just not doing anything to it. Opponents are hitting 171 against this thing. So, that's... uh. That's that's cool. So this does seem like a, a pretty good late bloomer that the Red Sox have on their rotation. There are no probable pitchers from the Red Sox for Wednesday and Thursday. Like I said, they only seem to have three starters, and I'm going to assume James Paxton pitched pretty recently. Uh, he pitched on he pitched on Friday, so actually he probably will pitch. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, he'll probably pitch on Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll see that guy on one of these games. Uh, James Paxton. I feel like this guy's super old, and he's 34, so I guess he kind of is, but it's not extremely old. Anyway, whatever. Uh, 3.6 ERA and 75 innings pitched. He's always been, he, he's just been a very solid starter throughout his entire career. Like when he was with, with the Mariners, he wasn't ace quality, but he always posted a sub four ERA. Never threw a ton of innings, though. He only He's only thrown more than 150 innings twice, and one of them he almost threw exactly 50, 150 innings. So definitely not a workhorse starter. He's only thrown 14 starts this season anyway, so that kind of explains, um, yeah, that kind, of, that kind of explains it. He just seems to get, he seems to miss a lot of the season for whatever reason, but still always throws decently whenever he's around. Maybe Maybe he's like the Danny Duffy. Of this, uh, of the of the team right now, where sure he's going to miss a lot of time, but when he does pitch, he's all right. Or at least that was what good Danny Duffy was like. <laughs> Just randomly came to my head. Wednesday and Thursday, the Royals are going to send out Jordan Lyles and then Alec Marsh. So uh, brace yourselves for that. 
In fact, since I always like mentioning how many home runs Jordan Lyles gives up, and also Alec Marsh at this point, I guess I should bring up uh, slugging numbers for the Red Sox. Uh, it's 433. They're slugging 433 as a team, which is the sixth best in baseball. So that's pretty cool. How many home runs do they have? How are they placing this race? Um, actually, not. Where are they? Where are they? On this list, they're 19th in home runs. That's interesting. So they're they're hitting a lot of doubles, maybe some other, maybe some triples as well. So they're hitting decently. They're hitting the ball hard. Maybe just not completely over the fence all the time. But I with with Alec Marsh and Jordan Lyles pitching, I wouldn't take that for granted. But still, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Red Sox. I wouldn't be scared of these guys. I think they 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 are they they have all the power in the world to beat the crap out of us. But I think that the way we've been playing lately. We can have a pretty fun four-game series. Um, I wouldn't put it past these boys to get a split. That would be pretty cool, even if they just take one of four, as long as the other three games, as, as long as they have, like, three decent games in this series, you know? wins and lo- wins, Winning and losing aside, just have three decent games in this four-game stretch, and I'll be happy. I'll be cool with it. So whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Until then, I'll see you around. I'll see you on... Uh, Friday. Forgot what day it is. Because again, I just woke up. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Royal Deluxe podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate it if you rated it and reviewed it and subscribed to it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. You can shout me out, out at Twitter or on X or whatever they call it now at the MFNKC or at Royal Deluxe Pod for actual baseball stuff. And also further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, but if not, no hard feelings. I love you all the same. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. And I hope you're having a good one. Hope you have a good week. I'll see you on Friday. And until then, I've been Lux and go Royals!